Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Incredible privilege of having Pete preach for us this morning. Pete's a great, a dear friend of uh, C3 Noosa. He's come and preached and ministered a few times. And you're in for a treat this morning. If you don't know Pete, him and his beautiful wife Ainsley, um, they're uh, pastors down at C3 Kiwana Waters, um, helping down there. Also, their relationship coaches. Pete is also a police officer, an army uh, sergeant, and a major, sergeant major, detective. One of the, but he can, he can fill in where I got wrong. So he's he's incredible. He does a lot. Um, he's a, a husband, father, an incredible man of God. He's just gotten a beautiful heart. So I know you'll be blessed this morning. Why don't we welcome Pete as he comes to share the word? Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Thanks a lot. You can tell everybody what you do in detail. <laughs> he does a lot. Thanks a lot. If you could just take your seats. <laughs> Thank you, worship team. Weren't they awesome today? It's great though when, uh, when harmonies all work together, doesn't it take us to the place where uh, God wants us to be? Um, you're in the, uh, and thank you very much for inviting me up, you and Christian. I really love uh, your uh, lead, uh, senior pastors. Um, for those who don't know, Christian and uh, Nick have um, helped me and Ainsley build parts of our house. <laughs> And um, I think um, I'm the one that puts more blood into our house than they do. <laughs> but um, no, it's been great. Um, it's, been, it's been great watching the journey of C3 uh, Noosa over the years. And um, it's great to be here today to, in this, particularly this month of um, managing mindsets. Uh, one of the, when I was actually, uh, Christian asked me to preach a, uh, a little while ago and um, uh, he said, preach on anything. So, you know, you, you start working on preaching. Then he rings me on, must be Monday or Tuesday, and says, oh, our month is called Managing Mindsets. Lucky for me, God gave me the message, which is actually fits Managing Mindsets. So that's how God works, isn't it? Um, and in tune. So Managing Mindsets. And today's message I'm calling Impossible is Nothing. For some of us, we're going to look at that word, impossible is nothing, and we're going to have different worldviews on what that means. Some of us are going to go, yeah, I'm excited about that. Impossible is nothing. For some of us, we're going to go, what's he talking about? You know, uh, and our worldview really shapes how we see our life, how God fits into our life, how we, uh, we embrace our life. And so what we're looking at is what shapes our worldview? It's our culture, it's our values, it's our attitudes, it's our beliefs. What actually is the things that hold us to something? And we're going to look at it. Sometimes that could be the chains of, uh, of shame, it could be the, shame, uh, the chains of regret, it could be the past hurts and fears, and these are the chains that can often hold us down, which makes impossible something. But when we work in the supernatural, we'll start to see that the impossible is nothing. In the first century, um, the biggest issue for, or the biggest question in the first century when Jesus was around and died was, what must I do to be saved? Because at that time, the Jewish faith was looking for the Messiah. Uh, they, they knew that there was a great calamity coming. Uh, and the biggest question they were asking was, what must I do to be saved? I would say that uh, we don't say that in the 21st century. So 20, you know, 2,000 years later, we're not saying that. But what we're saying is something similar. What is my purpose? It's, what is, it, is this it? Uh, is there something beyond this? Um, do I have a purpose? What's the point? These are questions I think most of the people in the world are asking today. 
is why am I here? What's, a my, what's my purpose in life? What is the meaning of life? Which is really the same thing as how do I get saved? And it's really finding out who our identity actually is in. So we're going to have a, a bit of a look at that. One of my favourite characters uh, in the um, New Testament, uh, probably my favourite character, is the Apostle Paul. Um, I've, st- I've done a fair bit of study on Paul. And if I ever became a theologian, I'd become a theologian of Paul uh, because uh, I find uh, Paul such an amazing guy. If we turn to Acts chapter 16, what we see here is um, the Apostle Paul is going to a place called Philippi. And Philippi was a Roman colony that basically was a place where retired veterans went to. So, you know, veterans from the army went to Philippi. It was that Roman that they would say that uh, you were basically in Philippi was like being in Rome. It was so Romanized in its thinking and, 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 it, and its culture. In actual fact, there was not a synagogue, which is a Jewish place of worship, in, in Philippi because you need 10 men of Jewish faith to actually create a synagogue. And they didn't even have 10 Jewish men in Philippi. So Paul and Silas rock up to Philippi uh, to preach the message of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we, ca- we take up the story in verse 16. And as they were going to the place of prayer, they met a slave girl who had a spirit of innovation and, and brought her owners much gain of fortune-telling. So she was a person that was overtaken by an evil spirit. So she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men, servants of the Most High, who proclaim the way of salvation. What's interesting here is, is that Often, the, often de- the, uh, the, uh, Satan will use the truth, but deliver it in a way that makes it unbelievable. You see, here she's actually declaring the truth here, which is these men are servants of the Most High God. They announce to you the way of salvation. But the way she was saying it was, it was in a ridicule form, which was to des- basically destroy the message that they were trying to preach. And in verse 18, we read, And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, he got annoyed, so it's okay to get annoyed every now and then, um, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. (coughs) And it came out of her that very hour. (coughs) Paul was probably trying to separate. He wasn't cursing the girl. He was cursing the fact that the message of Jesus Christ was being affected by this action of this Spirit and and, and cast it away. But when the owners saw that their hopes of gain or their (coughs) money-making... activities were gone they seized paul and silas dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers and they brought them to the magistrate and said these men are jews and are disturbing our city now back in those days the roman empire did not like anybody who caused a fuss you could really be you could worship anything you really liked you could pretty much do what you liked as long as you didn't interfere with the harmony of the roman empire as soon as you started to rise up and cause a bit of a disturbance, uh, you were then brought to account. And he says here, uh, they, are ad- they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrate tore, off his, uh, tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Interestingly, the magistrates would carry a bundle of sticks symbol of authority and they would use it to just flog anybody they could just walk around and flog people as they wished but the interesting thing here is is that paul was actually a roman at the time they thought he was a jew and you could not flog a roman 
Someone who was actually a Roman could not be flogged. It was, uh, it was classed as, you could flog any other nation that had been uh, overtaken, but if you were actually a Roman, it was against the law to flog a Roman. And then they came to afflict many blows upon them, and they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safe. Having received this order, the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So obviously the, 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 the jailer's going, well, I'm going to put them into the inner, inner prison. So if you have a look at the prison in Philippi, there was actually three parts. So the most inner prison was where you put your, your hardened criminals. And then you put them in stocks and chains so that they definitely couldn't get out. And so obviously he was taking his job quite seriously. Um, this situation in the natural would seem to be impossible because in the natural, you're locked up in stocks, you can't get out, you're in one, one cell. To get out of that cell, you have to go into the next area and to the next area before you can escape. Okay? So the thing is, though, in the natural sense, if you had a worldview where you're looking at your affliction, you would say the situation appeared impossible. But what we see here in the story, and it continues, is that I often think about, because when I read the scriptures, I often just ask the question, why was this put in there? And then you put yourself in their shoes and you think, what would they have been doing? You know, Paul and Silas, trying to preach the gospel of Jesus, get thrown into the prison. They're in stocks now. And um, I don't know if you've been beaten, um, but it's not a pleasant... Ex- I've been beaten a couple of times, but... Um, and I got beaten when I was 15, actually, and uh, put in hospital. And it's not a pleasant experience. You know, for days you're suffering, you know. And, uh, but, you know, you get beaten by rods... Uh, and these guys wouldn't have been going tap, tap, tap. You know what I mean? They would have been full swings. Whack. And uh, they would have broken skin. They probably would have bruised completely. And they would have been quite sore. So you can't even, in, you can't even, you can't even look after yourself because you're in stocks. Okay? Has anyone ever been in stocks? You know, like, I've done it for just a, for five minutes. And after five minutes, yeah, you've had enough. And, and I tell you, they're not leather. They're not soft and padded. You know, they were just timber. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. And, and they did it in a way that made it that uh, it was uncomfortable. Okay? Often they used to put them in what they call stress positions, which meant that you're in an uncomfortable position. And over time, the pain would just become excruciating. Okay? But the thing I find about Paul and Silas is they lived in a culture of the impossible. And that culture, and, it, and what is the culture of the impossible? And I think it's the culture of worship. See, in Rome, you know, you get the, the, tr- the tribune who, who'd run a, a legion and uh, he, would, he would stand to jeer him up and go into battle and he would go, for the glory of Rome. And every time you hear him, they go, for the glory of Rome. And everything was about the glory of Rome. What we see here, Paul and Silas were people that went, for the glory of Jesus. You know what I mean? For the glory of Jesus. And so it was this culture of worship. So they're there in their stocks and they're, they're going to, they're going to worship. They're going to worship Jesus, and they're just going to pray about their situation. And so we see here then in verse um, in verse um, twenty six, and then suddenly a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bounds were unfastened. I mean that's pretty impressive. Now you think about that. We only think that Paul and Silas were the only ones freed, but it actually says. All doors were open, so that's the all three layers of the prison, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. 
okay? So you just think about that picture for a moment. Every prisoner. And, and being a policeman, I deal with um, people and um, they're not necessarily the most favourable people that you might meet. Some of, you know, some have just made bad choices, but some of them are quite not nice people. And if, you, if, if all the doors of the watch house opened up, uh, I could tell you, we would be a little bit stressed because um, there's only a couple of watch house keepers and, uh, and if the whole watch house at Maroochydore opened up um, and um, y- it would be a bit of a freak out, really. But the interesting thing here was the presence of worship. They were worshipping at midnight and the chains fell off. And I, I think about that, that message, the chains fell off. And often I find out, like in our lives, what are our chains? What are our stops? What, are, what are, is our inner prison? And often that can be things that limit our mindset. It, it's our mindset that shapes our destiny. Really, at the end of the day, what happens is we can sit there and we can, we can have these things that bind us and lock us and hold us down to the true nature of what Christ wants for us. He wants us to be extraordinary he wants to take the ordinary and make it supernatural he you know I, I look at my life and and between me and Ainsley and I look at the supernatural impossibilities that happen when you have a culture of worship and we're going to have a look at what that, does that culture of worship look like um, in, in a moment we see in um, it's about bringing the culture of worship God does the impossible that's where the impossible occurs is in that worship I think it's the only place, really, that the impossible occurs is in the true worship of Jesus. We see this in uh, Jehoshaphat from the Old Testament. He was afraid. There was these three big armies coming towards uh, his people. He was the king of Israel, and uh, he's he he he's just beside himself. You know, he's in fear, like anyone would be. Um, you know, if you've been really scared, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and he says to, and this is in. Uh, in in Chronicles, he says, O oh Lord, our Father, you, uh, are you not God in heaven? How's that for a start, eh? Are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so none is able to withstand you. Now, isn't that not worship, eh? God, nothing can withstand you, okay? He says, do you, uh, do you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it forever, the descendants of Abraham, uh, your friend? He's saying here, God, didn't you not give us this land? Now these three big armies are coming to take it off us, right? But you gave it to us. You promised it to Abraham. So he's now declaring the promises of God back to himself, uh, back to God, saying, I don't know the answer. It doesn't look good. So what he does then is he turns around and he grabs his worship team, right? Puts them in front of the army. He didn't rely on the army. He relied on, could you imagine that if you were in the worship team back then? <laughs> You'd be going, and, and you know, the worship team's not got swords. They don't have shields. They're playing harps. They're playing, you know, whatever they played back in those days, right? So they're cruising along in front of the army. So, you know, that would not make sense in the natural, would it? Not at all. As they crest the hill, they see the great deliverance of Israel, which was the three armies came and fought each other, killed each other. The Israelites came down, took three days to take away the spoil. Now, what people don't understand what that spoil is. Every soldier who killed somebody 
they would go around and collect all their wealth because soldiers carried their own wealth, right? Because they didn't have banks, they didn't have, they'd have their, their cart back, at the, you know, they'd have their little box that they would have all their gold and jewelry in. So when these three armies wiped themselves out, not only did God save them, he enriched them. And that's the difference about the supernatural. It's not just the deliverance of your problem, it's setting you up for the future. And this is the, you know, I think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, the three guys get thrown in the fiery furnace. They just go to the good old um, Nebuchadnezzar and go, well, either way, we're not going to stop. We're going to stop praising God for the glory of God. We're going to keep going. And they weren't going like this, turn it down, God, turn it down. They didn't know how the answer was going to be there. They just knew that they were going to worship God. So when they got thrown in the fiery furnace, the fire and the heat was irrelevant, which in the natural is impossible. Anyone who's been burnt can tell you that. Okay? The impossible becomes a reality in worship. And that culture of worship, is that's the thing that helps us manage our mindset. So um, in the face of death, distress, the ways of life, we need to develop a lifestyle or a worldview of worship. And we're going to have a look at what that actually looks like. So when the jailer woke and saw that the prisoners, because now we're back to poor old Paul and Silas, okay? When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So for him, he just sees all the doors open. This is the most amazing thing that I find that we sometimes miss when we just skim through Scripture, right? Is that... The jailer believed that he was free from the beginning, but now realises he's actually in chains. He's going to take his life because he knows that his failure would have severe consequences. But the interesting thing, and this is where the crutch comes to it all together, and it comes from, if we read in 2 Corinthians, we read, knowing, therefore knowing the fear of God, we persuade others. He says in verse 14 of that chapter, for the love of Christ controls us. The love of God controls us. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. And as an ambassador of Christ, Paul lived his life from one opportunity to another. And this is where I want to change your mindset about this, this story. Most people read the story and think that the earthquake... And the, and, the, and the shaking of the doors and the chains coming off was to free Paul and Silas. But incorrect. Had nothing to do with Paul and Silas. Had nothing in actual fact to do with anybody except the jailer and the other prisoners. Because we know this because when Paul turns around and says, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Think about that for a moment. We are all here. That's all the prisoners. What Paul and Silas were doing, whatever that was in the inner prison, that worship of God, that demonstration of their faith, made every prisoner stay where they were. You think about that. Two guys worshipping Jesus at midnight, earthquake hits, not one prisoner runs away. Okay, That's amazing, isn't it? I can tell you, when the door was left open at the watch house a few years ago, five ran out. Okay, you, you have a look at the Link Cafe. Um, when when the terrace was there, the people who had an opportunity to run ran. 
They didn't worry about, and, and we can all, you know, if we're all in that place, we would do the exact same thing. Not criticising that, but we would run. If a door opened up on our freedom, we would run. Who would not run? Okay, but the problem here was Paul and Silas were not about being free from the prison. Okay, and, I, and we'll sh show that shortly. The thing that they were there for was for the glory of Jesus. And that's the thing. The worship is for the glory of Jesus. I can tell you that their worship was not, Dear Heavenly Father, free us from our burdens. Get us out of this stock. Open the door so we can get out of here. I can guarantee you not one of those words was said. It was to bring the glory of Jesus. It would have been pure worship, not request worship. But remember, pure worship is without request. Regardless of my circumstances, I worship you, Lord. Regardless of my circumstances, you are my answer. Regardless of your circumstances, I just love you. I just desire you. I just want to be with you. That's why you're here on a Sunday. You know, we, um, we call it uh, in the army the Jesus nut, okay? Um, the Jesus nut, when we have a plan, no joke, that's what they call it, the Jesus nut. When we do a plan in the army, we always ask, what is the Jesus nut? It's the one thing that holds it all together, that if that doesn't work, the whole thing's going to fall apart because that's the thing we need to protect, okay? The Jesus nut. What's the Jesus nut in your life? It's the one thing you must protect, otherwise it will unravel your life. Do you know what I mean? The Jesus nut. Uh, um, and it's, it's great when you hear guys actually, total atheists, saying, what's the Jesus nut? Okay. Worship is not a tool to please God or get what we want. It's a culture and lifestyle of praise. Praise is not about request. Praise is just pure praise. Okay. In the first century, praise was really important because they lived in what they called an honour-praise society. What that meant was, um, I would be a slave, okay? And, and, you know, we talk about slavery and we think slavery is a bad thing. But in, in the first century, it, it had bad parts, but it had also good parts, okay? So, say I was the um, landowner of um, Noosa, okay? And you were all my slaves, okay? Right? And um, so, I come over to, uh, to Nick and I go, Nick... Um, Leo, I'm going to make him the next village doctor. So we're going to send him to college, make him a doctor. So he's going to become a slave doctor, but he's going to, I'm going to train him. So to, to make that happen, I'm going to give you some more resources. What I would expect from Nick is in the marketplace, Nick standing over, all praise Peter Walsh, all praise Peter Walsh, all praise Peter Walsh, as I walk past, because the praise and honour influenced everybody else. Okay, and that's what we call a praise on art society. Okay, and so uh, the whole idea, and you'd hear these guys walking through the streets and the people that were fans would be yelling it out. Okay, Jesus is no different. How we're going to change the world is how we praise Christ in our life and the demonstration of that in our life. So we see here, he goes, and the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembled with fear and he fell at Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because obviously, he was asking the question, who is this Jesus you talk about? Okay, we see here the culture of worship brings the heaven's reality to earth in order to reveal the glory of Christ and bring his knowledge. Okay, Paul and Silas worshipped Christ for their love for him, not because they wanted something from him. It was purely their love for Jesus. Do you know, if you're married or you've you got kids, the last thing you want is that they just want you for what they can get. 
You want them for just the fact that they love you. You don't mind giving to your kids, but if your kids are like, give me, 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 it gets a bit thin. Because our relationship with Christ is the most important thing. It's not about what we get and what we don't get in that sense. Because out of his love will flow the impossible. Okay, worship must be uncompromising. When we worship, the tool that we seek is something for ourselves. So when worship is a tool of seeking something for ourselves, it's no longer worship, it's just a request. Sometimes we're about too busy about the doing and not the being. Sometimes we want to do the right thing. So we come to church, tick. Do this, tick. Pay tithes, tick. All good. And then we wonder why the impossible doesn't happen. Okay? Like I, I remember um, Ainsley and I, we, we do uh, relationship uh, courses and that sort of stuff. And I'm up at the army uh, two and a half years ago. And there's this girl working late on a Friday night. She was a major. I, I'm what they call the S9. She was the S1. And so I just walked in and said, what are you doing on a Friday night when you should be home with your uh, partner? Uh, because working for the machine is only going to, is, is it going to improve your relationship? And she goes, I know, I should go, I should go home. Uh, I was there because I couldn't come home because I live down here, but this is up in Townsville. And uh, anyway, so my, my heart was to share faith. That's all I wanted to do was share faith. Okay, and sharing the faith was just getting her to have a conversation. So she said, uh, she said, I heard that you're a, uh, a police officer. I said, that's correct. And she said, uh, also, she's a regular army major. And I said, um, and she said, I also heard that you're a minister. And I said, that's correct as well. And she said, I have a problem. And I thought she was going to talk about her own relationship problems, hence why she was there on a Friday, uh, Friday evening. Um, and I said, so my mindset was then I was just going to go into a one, you know, counselling session sort of thing. And uh, the next thing she says is, Free Brigade needs to... Uh, um, we have too many soldiers committing acts of domestic violence, okay? And we have a problem, and I don't know how to resolve it. Um, I've been tasked by the Chief of Army to resolve it, okay? Uh, well, three brigades have to resolve it. So I said, show us what you got. So she showed, and I said, well, I think there's a bit of a gap, just a gap just here, maybe the Jesus nut. Yeah, the Jesus nut. And she said, what's that look like? And I said, well, give me two weeks. So I came home, and I spoke to Ainsley. We sat down, we worked out, and we wrote a course, a one-day course to give to soldiers, Okay? Now, the interesting thing is, you now have a policeman and army officer, but more importantly, a minister, speaking to soldiers in the army about relationships and the reasons we should have values and not live by circumstances. Now, when I sat in that room, I wasn't thinking about what was going to, you know, that I need to sell, you know, um, our course. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just sharing faith. But God now has made the course, signed off by Chief of Army, a recognised course for the military, uh, and it's now going over Army. Now, how much influence is that? All because I didn't seek it. Ainsley and I didn't seek that. It's because all I wanted to do was share faith. When we step into where Christ wants us, he opens the doors that we don't even expect. You know, He opens the doors to many things that we can encounter. I had, we had a funeral home many years ago, and um, I can tell you, it was for the glory of Peter. My business was for the glory of Peter, okay, the whole time. I wonder, wondered why we went that close to bankruptcy, was because it was for the glory of Peter, and it didn't work. I didn't allow, I, I let the Jesus nut fall off, and reality, self-fulfilling prophecy of the natural came and overpowered me. 
and enslaved me and uh, imprisoned. I say me because it wasn't Ainsley's fault because <laughs> it was all about the glory of Peter. It was what it meant to me. And so I lost the business because of the fact that I didn't keep the Jesus nut tight. I let it go. And this is two different examples in my life where when you focus on what Jesus and the worship of Jesus is, and that's your mindset, how the impossible becomes possible. Whereas if you don't, the, the natural will empower us and we will stay in the prison. Paul and Silas could have sat there and go, Jesus, this is not what we signed up for. You know, we got beaten. What are you doing? Where are you? They weren't saying any of that. What they did in that prison was so powerful that not one prisoner ran away. Their testimony of their faith and the testimony of their worship changed all those prisoners. What we read now is sometimes we d- we don't see sometimes we see the earthquake in the natural. If we have a natural mindset, we'll see the earthquake as an answer to our prayer. But the earthquake and the doors opening was not an answer to their prayer. What we need to look at is we need to show a radical contrasting culture that displays the true worship that brings awe to everybody that sees us. Paul and Silas did not view their freedom as a means of escape, but an opportunity to bear witness of the glory of Christ, to bring heaven's reality to earth. And we see in, the, in verse 31, and they said, believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. And they spoke these words of the Lord to him and that all that were uh, with, uh, so all who were in his house, in that same hour, they washed their wounds. It's interesting here that God did re- release them from their stocks, but didn't heal their wounds. It's amazing, isn't it? Because often God uses others to do that. Because God has a transactional process. Some of it's the supernatural and through other people. And it's the design of, of multi-level marketing. I think Jesus is the best at it. You know what I mean? It's about how do we empower and move through people. It's the reason why we have people come here you know, early in the morning to set up the church. Why do they do that? So that through them, the glory of God is revealed. That's what church is about. That's why church is so important. You know, that's why church, you, you, need, to, you need to have a, a, a heart of church because what church does is it shows the people who do not know Jesus who Jesus is. Those who are struggling in the natural, maybe with the chains and haven't got that culture of worship, get the culture of worship. It's a church where we come as an interface where we can reflect the community of Jesus to the world. It's here we can show the pure nature of Christ in being, warts and all and in all our conditions. So we sit there and we look at, it's like, for example, uh, years ago we bought an X-Trail, okay? Now, I've been a policeman for about, by that time, probably about seven years. I had never, ever in my life seen an X-Trail until we actually walked into the car yard and I went, what is that? It's an X-Trail. Does that mean there were no X-Trails on the road when I was driving around? It's just that I didn't see it. When it was revealed to me what an X-Trail looks like, I saw them everywhere, and I'm going, geez, these are quite popular cars. You know what I mean? Was I, I was just blinded to the invisible, but once I became aware of it, it unleashed a whole stack. And I think that's the same with Jesus, is that when we step into the invisible realms of the Spirit, we start to see things that were there that now we see. And that helps us to understand that. Paul and Silas, when that earthquake was happening, they weren't preparing to run. 
When the doors opened up, they weren't preparing to escape. When the chains came off, they weren't prepared to run away. They stayed where they were because they knew the they could see the invisible. That culture of worship led to a Jesus opportunity. And we read in verse 35, but when it was daytime, the majesty... Oh, so what happens is he says... Um, and in that same hour that night, sorry, in verse 33, and they washed their wounds, and, they, and he baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them to his house and set food before them. And they rejoiced all his entire household that believed in God. Okay? Then we see here, he goes, you can go. Let you go. And he goes, no, no, lock us back up. Why would Paul and Silas say lock us back up? A miracle had occurred. We're free. We've saved the household. And the household then could have been anything from 20 people to 120 people. Okay? But he said, no, lock us back up because it's not our time to be released. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? If Jesus brought an earthquake and opened the doors, what was he doing that for? No, it was to bring the glory of Christ, to fulfill what Paul and Silas had been worshipping in. But then when, that, when it was day, the magistrate set the police and said, let the men go. And the jailers reported the words of Paul saying, the magistrate has, has let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. It's the second time they're released. And Paul says, but then Paul said, we have been beaten, you have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. Now you want to throw us out secretly. No, let them themselves and take, and take us out. But basically the magistrate come down and release us publicly. The police reported these words to the magistrate and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came down, apologised publicly and took them out and asked them to leave the city. From that day, a huge revival in Philippi turned out and the reason why we have Philippians today is because of the church of Philippi. Okay, when the earthquake came, the doors were open, the chains were released. It was not about their current circumstances, it was about the fulfilment of God's will. When we live in a culture of worship, what we're looking at is we're looking at what is the will of God. The Romans used to say, my word, your will. And you, you, I would say to my commander, your word, my will. Your word, my will. And I think it's a good one to have for us. Your word, my will. And when we live in a culture of worship, we'll see the invisible, which will unlock the impossible. We can live ordinary lives if we choose to. And we can get to, a, you know, I spent 14 years as a funeral director, and I can tell you there's a lot of people who live ordinary lives. You only have to listen to their eulogies. Every now and then you saw someone that just inspired you, and you go, I wish I had met that person when they were alive. They were amazing, truly amazing. You want to live an amazing life, have an amazing marriage, be an amazing parent, be an amazing whatever. Culture of worship does that. That's the mindset, managing your mindset. The mindset is, if you have a look at my phone, um, you won't see it, but I'll just show it. There you go. All the messages come up. For the glory of God. Okay? Reminds me every day that everything I do is for the glory of God. Okay? And what I look at is I look at having a disciplined, humble, generous, courageous, faithful life. Having influence over fame. Relationship over function. Relevance over title. Purpose over desire. Set your mind to purpose. Set your mind to purpose. And when you set your mind to purpose, what's the purpose of church? 
for example, just pick on that one, the purpose of church. If it's to come here and get your fill, right, then you might be just a little bit on the looking downward side. But if it's to bring the glory of God, could you see what that would do to change the way our life was? The glory of God. And so I would, just in closing, I look at, we've got that slide that um, develop a culture of worship is number one. Second is live in the continuous opportunity of Christ, reflecting a contrasting culture. Live in a continuous opportunity of Christ. He will open doors that you cannot even imagine in whatever aspect of your life. If you have to think about it, right, and you have to work hard at it, ask yourself, is it in the glory of God or is it to the glory of yourself? I've lived both. Glory of God, glory of self. And I can tell you now, much better to live in the glory of God. The doors that have opened and all the and the things that have happened is because of the glory of God. The blessings that He's given us. When heaven's reality comes and invades earth, impossible becomes nothing for the glory of jesus will transform others we're not here just to have a good life if your prayer is just to have a good life for yourself um, i might be um i'll be bold enough to say maybe that prayer will be challenged but if your prayer is so that your life reflects the glory of christ so that it can transform others, I think the prayer may be answered. The key is, is your prayer for the glory of God or for yourself? So when you manage your mindset, that's what I would focus on. Focus on, does this bring glory to Jesus? Thanks, Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.